the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thanks to Yola Tango, as always, for the music. This week, you have no guests, just me and Chris. I'll be honest, I tried to record a Bill Burr-like solo podcast yesterday, <laughs> and with all the world events, I got really depressed, and I just couldn't release it out into the world because... Um, yeah, I didn't want to add to the the sadness <laughs> of it all. I was like, I called Chris really late last night, and I said, Chris, we need to do this Sunday morning. And uh, it currently is 9 a.m. West Coast time, September 20th. And I'll tell you, my one of my goals, one podcast a week since we're doing two, is to do one solo. It's so hard to do. I don't know how anyone does it. It is... I don't even know if I want to do it. I only want to do it because of the difficulty of doing it. <laughs> it's so intensely difficult. I don't know how to do it well. So maybe I'll start to do it on happier topics. But one reason why we are out of guests is because the past two to three weeks, I've been doing everyone else's podcast and interviews, and I'm grateful for that because of the book, Eat a Peach, out now. And usually Chris and I like to have at the very least, two podcasts banked, because this is not our full-time job. As much as we'd like it to be, Chris and I are trying to make TV shows with Major Doma Media, with Hulu. Hopefully, we'll start filming soon. And that's a whole nother discussion I think would be good for the podcast. And I'm helping out Marguerite Mariscal and the whole team at Momofuku with restaurants. And Chris definitely has his hands full with the media stuff as we are working on the TV shows. So, I have not had any time. Yes, there's pockets of time, but nobody wants to do an interview at like 9 p.m., which is 12. You know, all the normal hours where you could interview somebody are gone. So we are now out of banked podcasts. I mean, maybe we're going to give this a shot. Uh, you know, I really like the last Ask Dave we did with Isaac just to have some conversations. I want to have this at least once a week where it's just a free-flowing conversation of things and a little bit more like a radio show. And we will get back to regular schedule programming shortly, but we are very busy. Mm -hmm. And Chris and I are dealing with the West Coast situation of things. And two nights ago, there was an earthquake, 4.8 in the San Gabriel Mountains. And I am literally right there in the San Gabriel area. It was my second earthquake that I felt. I've felt other earthquakes before while I was on the West Coast, but this was undeniably a big one. And everyone in LA that I know is like, come on, man, that was nothing. And I'm like, well, you've been on the, most of my friends live on the West side. I'm on the East side. And my wife, Grace has grown up in the Seattle area and her mother and father live with us. They've experienced a lot of earthquakes and said that was a frightening one because it moved up and down. Usually earthquakes for them moved East and West. And this one was like up and down for about five to eight seconds. And uh, the only person that slept through it was Hugo. <laughs> so that was that was frightening. And on top of it all, it was the, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which was intensely sad. And I was, you know, Chris knows that I talk about this all the time, that we live in a computer simulation. And it's not Descartes, I think, therefore I am, and your brain's on a box, and blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm simply saying, like, it is theoretically possible if you talk to, these are interesting articles you can read, that it's not out of the realm of possibility that some higher life form is just basically, like, this is their SimCity. This is their Grand Theft Auto. And we are left to their devices. And I simply want to tell to them, we get the fucking point. 
You're the you, you, you got the power. You're the you're, you're the master. Very funny. Ha ha ha. And uh, it's like when you have a video game character and you just make them do stupid shit for two hours. We get it. We, we bow down to whoever the fuck you are. Just Which, when I said it couldn't get worse, a fucking earthquake hit. It just seem, it does seem like some snotty kid is playing us in a game, right? Yeah. And every time we're like, it can't get worse. He's like, oh yeah, here you go. I just couldn't believe it, man. And when Trump was elected, I remember telling everyone I knew, I was like, listen, we have to deal with this for years. The biggest issue is our civil liberties, which effectively is the Supreme Court. And if you haven't had these hard conversations, this is a whole nother conversation to have because it's one thing to talk about racial injustice. It's another thing to talk about politics. You don't talk about it at the dinner table. Chefs aren't supposed to talk about it on podcasts. And you certainly don't tell your parents who privately are, I think a good number, I don't have the data in front of me, are possibly going to vote Trump. You have to make sure that they don't. I had a long conversation with my father-in-law yesterday. We were driving. Uh, we, had a, we had a long car ride. And, um, you know, Chang, we'd have these conversations with our parents. You know, we've been talking about it. My father-in-law is probably the, the closest person to me who is traditionally a conservative. I think he was in the middle of moving across the country in 2016 and didn't, uh, didn't vote. But I think he, he absolutely would have voted for Trump. I think that he has voted Republican his entire life. But he's, I also know that he's a, he's a good person. And like the values that we talk about when it comes to the, the base values, I'm not talking about sort of which ideology we espouse, but the basic values of decency and fairness and all of that. Like he represents all of that stuff. But we had to have a really hard conversation. And I stopped short of, of being like, you've got to vote for Biden. You can't vote for Trump. I couldn't do it. Like we had the whole conversation around Black Lives Matter. I tried to explain to him that, you know, that thing that people do when, when you say like what you try to describe what black people have been through in this country, the sort of defensive response is to say like, yeah, but my family went through this, you know, that thing. And we had to have that. And we had a very productive conversation around that. And, and you know, ultimately we arrived at this place where he started thinking about, you know, what it means to, to have kind of like the constant yoke of oppression around your neck and all of that stuff. But he's a guy who likes to watch Blue Bloods on TV and, and, doesn't really parse the difference between getting his news from Fox News or CNN. It's, it's all the same. And he doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't trust any of the, any sources of, of media. So it was hard, but I don't know, Chang. Have you had that don't vote for Trump conversation? First of all, I think my dad was the only one that voted between my mother and father. And I don't think my mom's voted maybe in her entire life. So I don't think that's going to help because, listen, I, I could be wrong, but I know my dad's voted conservative for most. I mean, he loved Bush, you know? Yep. And yep. I know that my mom, I, listen, everyone's like, Sherry Chang, she's the best. My mom has had some crazy conversations. And I, we spoke about this before. She hates Trump, but for her entire life, North Korea robbed her of her incredibly prosperous, rich, mm-hmm. affluent lifestyle. She hates North Korea so much. It is her only thing that she thinks about that's right her entire life so for anyone to take a hard stance on trump that supersedes anything else so it's not like my mom doesn't see it her most important thing is north korea and for any president to say you know like no or to take a hard stance and even though trump has said he 
he's like friendly with them. Like I think there's a group of Koreans that know that U.S. will not accept, you know, North Korean aggression. So I can't have a reasonable conversation because I can talk about a woman's right to choose. And I think my mother now in her later years is totally understanding of it. She cannot have a rational conversation about North Korea. Yeah. Which, if I have a conversation with her about Trump, it will inevitably go back to American involvement in Korean politics. And I don't know what to do about that. This is really interesting, Chang, because I think in, in my family, in Chinese communities, it's Taiwan. And what they perceive to be, you know, Trump will protect Taiwan if you're a Taiwanese family. And this is interesting. I don't, I don't know if this factors into our previous conversations because a lot of this has, I mean, or we haven't talked about it. You know, it's like a lot of that first generation immigrant family, like it's exactly what you're talking about. Their number one priority actually has to do with the motherland. I know it's crazy. It's so crazy. I don't know. Again, talking about moral dilemmas and trolley car problems. Well, this is it. And the worst that you can do is indecision. And I think that everyone's got to do what they feel is right. Yeah. At the end of the day. And I think the right thing to do is to tell your parents they're wrong. Yeah. I mean, it. trust me, I'm trying to practice what we preach here. And it is not, it's not easy in any way, but it has been, it's been a relief to have the conversations. You know what I mean? Like after you do it, as hard as it is, at least you feel like you didn't go to bed thinking about what could have been the conversations you should have had. I don't, I, that's, that's my fear is waking up in November and, and being like, well, I probably could have done a little more. I'm just, I'm so fed up with the U.S. politics, and uh, it's disheartening to say the least, and we will talk more about this, and I don't want this, listen, this podcast is, who knows what the fuck it is. We talk about literally everything, so uh, I'm not an expert talking head, nor are you, and I don't think our listeners want us to go too deeper into this, so I wanted to transition this into a quick conversation about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she was the only Supreme Court justice I've ever met and had the pleasure of spending three hours with. And there's a quick story, and we're going to talk about the book in a little bit. We talk very briefly, I think it's in a footnote, mm-hmm. about how I was invited to a White House state dinner when the then president of Korea, I think in 2012 or 11, was uh, coming to America for a tour, and Obama invited him to host a state dinner. And uh, many well-known Korean people from all walks of life, Korean-Americans, were invited. And I uh, somehow was invited, and I'm grateful that I was because that moment changed me in so many ways because I got to meet Dr. Jim Kim, who's been on this podcast. But the story really is, I, at the time, was going... I mean, honestly, when you aggregate it, I probably lived almost like a year and a half in Australia, in Sydney. And besides for a good chunk living there, I've flown back and forth to Sydney, Australia. I believe it's 68 times round trip. (laughs) And I love those flights. I used to love flying 21 hours. was pure bliss. Two Ambien's, uh, a glass of whiskey on the rocks, and I'm out. You know, I take one Ambien from New York. I wake up in LA and then I take another one. You know, when I board the plane, you got to time it right. And I'd wake up in Sydney and it was like 21 hours of sleep. It was beautiful. And one of those trips, I I woke up in Sydney, turn on your phone and all the messages start coming. And I was like, oh, something terrible has happened. I called the office, called the office. I called the office and they said, Dave, you got to, you got invited to the White House. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Did I do something that terrible? (laughs) 
And I literally was at the Sydney International Airport and I was like, oh my God, do I, what do I do? I mean, I just, I just got off the plane. And they're like, you, you should come back. You can't not go to this thing. So I, I booked a ticket and I didn't leave the airport and I got on a flight back to LA. And I think I had flight to New York and then I took a train. I can't remember. It was a weird connection to get to DC. And immediately I checked in the hotel. My mom met me there and I went straight to the White House. And I know nothing about White House history. <laughs> and it's huge. I can't believe how big it was. And I see so many Korean people. And if there's more than like eight people in a room and they're all Korean people, that gets me nervous. So imagine like 300, <laughs> 500 of completely very successful Korean people. At the White House. At the White House. <laughs> and I wanted to, I brought my mom cutting through the story. We sit down at the dinner table and it was beautiful. It was so amazing. Really was a memorable moment. But to the right of me, there's probably like 12 people per table, was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> and I was totally shocked. I was like, oh my God. That's... Nobody called her, at least to my knowledge, notorious RBG, right? And to the left of me was, to the left of my mom was Jill Biden at the time, you know, <laughs> Vice President Biden's wife, who worked in government in some capacity, I think as a chief of staff or some cabinet member, I can't remember. Anyway, I'm delirious. I can't remember too much of our conversation, although I remember RBG being incredibly thoughtful and kind and asking me about, you know, what we were eating and the restaurant industry. And she's, she was very tiny. <laughs> she was a very tiny person. And I don't know how to address her every time I'm talking to her because it's like, I'm in a black tie. Everything seems formal. I'm fish out of water. And Jill Biden taps me on the shoulder, leans across my mother and says, you can address her as Madame Justice. <laughs> because I didn't know. I, I was like, what do I, what do I, what do I say? I can't call her Ruth. <laughs> I'm not going to call her by her initials. Hey, RBG. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't going to. And I, the only thing I knew was I can't say Judge Ginsburg. <laughs> yeah. And so. it just escaped me as how the fuck do I dress this amazing woman that, you know, championed equality. Like, I was so flummoxed. And of course, you're doing all kinds of like verbal gymnastics to avoid having to say any, like refer to her by her name or anything. Yeah, because it was like, like, hey, would you like the butter? Or it was always like, you know, it was just weird. <laughs> just tapping weird. her on the shoulder over and over again. And again, <laughs> in my mind, like I'm like mumbling, like muffling, like, like intentionally, like making my words inaudible so no one can hear me. But again, uh, Joe Biden did. So... I was able to call her Madame Justice, and I did not know that. Did you know that you're supposed to call a female Supreme Court Justice? Madam Justice? I, um, Madam Justice. No, I would I, not. I didn't even dawn on me that. I was like, do you call her Justice Ginsburg? Is that even acceptable? Yeah, yes, I don't know. Is. Well, you t when you told me that story originally, I, I completely blanked. I would have no idea, and I wasn't even under the gun. So, yeah. listen, totally fair. Totally fair. Let me ask you this. Do you remember what you ate? I don't. You I have don't? no idea. Oh, I have man. no idea. I was really good. I was actually shocked because I'm always shocked whenever I go to a buffet, not a buffet, catering and cooking for all the caterers out there. I'll be honest. It's fucking impossible. I don't know how anyone does it because uh, how do you feed, especially when you get north of 50, that's when it gets super squirrely. Um, <laughs> it's not an art form. It is, you got to work as a machine and I just don't know how they did it. It was really 
well done. That's all I remember, and I should. I have the menu somewhere. I found it. I found it. You did. Does this, does this sound familiar at all? Butternut squash bisque. Yes. With honey from the White House beehive, plus yes. locally sourced scallions. Yes, because that was on the menu. An early fall harvest salad with red and green lettuces, yes. daikon sheets, or wrapped in daikon sheets. Yeah, 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 yeah. And served with masago rice pearl crispies. Mm, damn, dude. Yeah. And then the main course was Wagyu beef ribeye steaks from oh, a Texas right, ranch. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Weirdly, I do remember that. No, I'm not just saying that. Like, I remember that. I just, because I can remember almost like most meals. It just has to be told to me. Well, that's why I asked. Usually, usually you have like an insane memory for exactly what you ate at any meal in any time. Dude, but, but this just tells you, like, I was, I was on Australia. I mean, not Australia. I was just, I didn't sleep. It was crazy. I don't know what was happening. So, I just was sad that she she passed. I'm more sad about that than I am uh, about weirdly the the imbalance of the Supreme Court and. She was just someone that was so kind, and everyone at the table knew she was the super soigné guest at the table. Yeah. So she was just a commanding presence, even though that she was tiny. And everybody, I can't remember, there were a bunch of other senators and people, everyone knew, it was like, shit, this is RBG's table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think the night that she, she died, Helen Rosner had a tweet that was like, never have so many people simultaneously type the word fuck. Like, I think that was just this feeling we all had at that exact moment. So, so that's intensely sad. It's added to a fucking shit 2020. And with the fires, the earthquakes and everything, it's, um, I'm trying to be hopeful. Yeah. It's brutal. It was brutal. Um, so I tried to talk about this by myself yesterday, and I just went into a K-hole. I don't know what the fuck happened. And an hour and a half later, I came out being like, well, we cannot let the world hear this. That, 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 is, that is just terrible. Um, well, we, we were going to try a couple of things today, Chang. I think we were going to try a couple of different little formats out just on the Sunday morning. You want to you try some of these things? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we're, we're trying to do is get back to more practical things where the Dave Cheng Show, this podcast, was trying to do beforehand, uh, when I say before, before the pandemic. Whether people realize or not, we were trying to talk about two to three or five topics before we got into the conversation and give like segments. One of the things that I know Chris and I want to get back to doing is that and we're going to work on a top five. Everybody loves top five lists, top 10 lists. Everybody. Who doesn't? No, it's, it's <laughs> for better and worse. We love information in list form. It's human so, nature. I wanted to go top five best delivery foods in quarantine. All what right. are the foods that you personally, this is all subjective except for my opinion. Which is objective. <laughs> Which is in, fact. In fact, what do you think or what have you ordered the most and you now feel like are the best foods you can get delivered or take away? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, you want me to... Or restaurants. To... You can even do like, what are the best restaurants you've done? And okay. I think in, in a way that sort of tells you the genre of food. I, I, I'm going to do top five restaurants in the Los Angeles area for me. Well, I'll probably have to stick to more generic because I've had less options, but I will say that the best, we talked about it before, but it's not representative because it's an outlier, but the best takeout meal was from Corey Lee's San Juan in San Francisco. 
is Korean takeout. <laughs> Listen, dude, you're in LA. You've got all kinds of options. I had one option and it was it was amazing. You know, it's it's I say it's an outlier because generally ambitious restaurant food has not traditionally translated to delivery and takeout, but this Korean is a, food is designed for Korean food quarantine. is designed for. It. It's 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 unbelievable. It is sandbagging master food. <laughs> and the only reason I I talk ill of Corey Lee is because I'm just jealous. I stopped looking at his Instagram post about, what's the name of his San Francisco? I already blocked it out. San Ho Wan. San Ho Wan. Because every time I look at a, a new dish that he's making, it makes me very mad because I'm like, fuck you, Corey. That's such a good idea. Now I can't do it, asshole. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's my that's my number one. You you give me something that you've you've loved. Give me your, your number five. So I'll five. tell you, uh, this is a, interesting because like, let's just say the best, we should talk about this another top five, The literally the best foods for takeaway. And I have a ton of data because I've done these delivery companies. So I know exactly what delivers the best, but I'm going to give you my top restaurant that I would not have put top five before quarantine. It is all kebabs. <laughs> yeah. So I've ordered from Elena's Greek Armenian. Yeah. Why not kebab? You know, because that's near our studio that we were filming before our Chrissy Teigen show got shut down. Yeah. And mini kebab. Mini kebabs takeaway only. Ooh. Why not kebab is out of my delivery radius, but I pick it up and I order from Elena's because it does deliver. And I'll be honest, man, I did not realize two things. One is my mother-in-law thinks the food of Turkey is the best food. <laughs> you didn't know this until I guess like 20 Turkey. years ago, she went on a trip with a couple of her friends and she spent some time in Turkey and she just loves from like lavash to hummus to kebabs to all of that region of the world is her, like that's her favorite food. So for her to get kebabs and like that griddled tomato and the chili pepper and the soups, she's in love. And, yeah. And, it travels so well. Yeah. What kind of orders do you do? I do a kofte type thing, and that name can be in a variety of sort of pronunciations, and I'm sure I fucked up that one already. We usually get a salad. I mean, we don't always order hummus. We don't always get falafel, and I always try to get a mixture of the beef, meatball, chicken. Yep. Like, the chicken thigh on a skewer is good. Yep. Um, Atlanta's also does a chicken kofte as well. Ooh. 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 So good. And the, they're blended with so much fat, the meatballs, that they're so juicy. Yeah. And you cannot beat that real, not bullshit Burger King charbroiled experience. <laughs> and yeah, I always I get it on a better rice. I was going to ask, rice, or are you a rice or you make a little, are you a wrap person? No, no, this is where you, <laughs> come on, man. Come on, dude. That, that's embarrassing. That is disrespectful to me. <laughs> All right. I, I, I hear so, you. so I'll tell you what I do. We, this is a treat. We try to do it. I, I think we've done it four times since we moved to LA. Because it's not cheap. Because that's another thing is it shouldn't be cheap. But to get like a platter runs anywhere from $18.99 to like 29 bucks. Yeah. You got to get on the rice. If you get the platter, I don't think you should order the salad because everyone gets a side salad. And at least sometimes they give you a little side of hummus. <laughs> so what I try to do is I get two beef kebabs, 
one chicken skewer and one chicken kebab skewer. And then we sort of assemble it all mm-hmm. into plate. So everyone gets a little bit of everything. And then I've tried to do just the skewers individually. And I try to calculate in my mind the price differential. And <laughs> I just can't do it. I, I Again, I, I'm a Korean that's bad at math. <laughs> so I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to get the platter. <laughs> and then uh, this is where, I, again, I take offense to your, your rap thing. I get two sandwiches. Yeah, you do. <laughs> of course I get two gyro sandwiches because that meat to me, I don't care how artificial it is and I've seen it. It's like spam to me. It's fucking delicious. That's I don't best. care. It's so good. It's one of the best flavored processed meats in the world with that yogurt and oh, the cucumber. It's just so good. Yeah. And uh, you slice that in half while it's wrapped. So you have an easy like burrito and everyone gets one. Yep. And they're also really good cold. Just FYI. They're very uh, good cold. So one of my, yeah, I was going to say, well, first of all, I, I was curious to hear about your eating technique when it comes to eating those kebabs. And now I, I hear it because you also, you classically had an amazing Chinese takeout eating technique involving the Mushu wrappers, which led to the invention of the Psalm. Can you describe that? Listen. The fact that people don't do this more often is just beyond me. I don't, I don't get it. Mushu pork, believe it's a Chinese-American invention. doesn't matter. It tastes good. Bad mushu pork tastes great. Another thing is, I don't even think you need to order beef. Like, oftentimes, I just get a vegetarian because you can't taste anything anyway because it's all the hoisin sauce and texture and woodier mushrooms and cabbage and egg. And the firm tofu. You get your, whether some Chinese restaurants give basically a flour tortilla from like Cisco, others actually make it from scratch. Doesn't matter. I actually sort of prefer the, the, the lower grade quality flour tortilla and you slather hoisin on the bottom, you put a little chili oil, and then you just put some rice and some mushu. And if you're really industrious, you put some chow mein or lo mein, and you can also put some <laughs> General Tso's chicken, and you wrap it up as a burrito. Yep. And it's, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, you opened up. I'm just talking about it right now. I'm like, why haven't I, I have to eat this <laughs> right now. And and that, with a lot of marijuana, caused me to come up with the idea of sambar. I can serve this as is. And uh, there's all these analogies, perfect analogies to a burrito bar. And if I just replace it with Asian ingredients, there you go. Yeah. So, I have not done that. <laughs> you liked since. it so much that you were like, I could make a career out of this. <laughs> not a career. Like, I'm serious. Like, it's a fucking amazing idea. Yeah. People like Peking Duck, it's a fucking taco. <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> so, going back to the kebabs, I highly, highly recommend you support any restaurant that makes kebabs. And it's got to be cooked over charcoal. And the one thing about L.A., it's got amazing Armenian food, Persian food. It's extraordinarily good here. Highly recommend you order it. It delivers so fucking well. You will not be disappointed. Give them your business. There's so many of them to discover, especially on the there's on the west side, but near Glendale area, there's plenty. Man, we were blessed when we had that studio in Glendale. We were like three blocks from kebab? Mini Kebab. Why not, not Kebabs three blo- right there? Yeah. So many Kebabs. It was unbelievable. Olinda's Greek, Armenia was right there. Oh, fuck. So good, right? So I 
It's my number one food of choice for delivery because I am insured quality. I'm insured quality because it just travels really well. And you almost want it to travel in the box as the meat sort of soaks in with the rice. It's so good. And here's how much I love it. I still order two orders of French fries. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Why are you doing that? This is why I'm a fucking optimist, Chris. I'm a goddamn optimist. I am a true optimist. More than any real sunshiny motherfucker out there. I I believe somehow that if I continue to order French fries, somehow it will defy the laws of thermodynamics and get to me crispy. (laughs) Your faith in in, in the various kebab shops of Los Angeles is so high that you believe that one day they will crack the code. Because, I mean, it should be said, we should say to listeners here that I think the number one worst traveling food is french fries or anything crunchy. The worst. The absolute worst. The absolute worst. And here's the thing about the kebab shops. They're not using frozen Cisco-like fries, which are fine and good. They're using potato chunks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if there's going to be one french fry or fried potato that you can get delivered and still be good soggy, I believe it's kebab fries. The thicker cut allows them to fry them harder and longer. Right. Because you know why? This is crazy, and this is how I believe it. So if you're in the food world, you're going to be like, wow, this fucking guy's out of his mind. (laughs) I like it so much when it's soggy because I believe when I taste it, they're almost like sodium alginate encased balls (laughs) of potato puree. (laughs) I'm serious. They're salty, and it's, it's so... This is going to be the wrong word, which is why I'm not a food writer. Limp. And encased in a bag of, like, potato skin. Yeah. That, like, when you put it in your mouth, it's like a boba tea explosion. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But I get get warm, lukewarm to warm (laughs) potato puree. (laughs) You can't do that with, like, McDonald's french fries. So... I mean, it is. I, I am shocked that you're ordering two orders of fries. I mean, that makes a little more sense. It's not. It's not the traditional horrible, horrible fry. And we should, as part of the top five, we got to do worst five too, right, Ching? But um, uh, maybe that's another episode because I we've just done one. We have four more fucking to go, dude. Oh fuck. Okay. 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 Give me another one. All right. There's another one that I found. Um, Hokey Cafe. So one thing that I love, and it's it, there's no priority because I always favor different kinds of Chinese cuisine, but I love Cantonese food. And Hokey Cafe has good, not the best, barbecue. And it has one of my favorite noodle dishes in general is just anything that's a stir-fried chow mein. Like soy sauce chow mein is one of my favorite things because it's just like a snack. And to top it all off, I'm a, I'm a real, I want to say aficionado because I don't know all the great, great places. One of my favorite things to eat is wonton noodle soup. Mm-hmm. That travels incredibly well. It does because it's already saturated with <laughs> and like waterlogged. So it's just a quick microwave and you're ready to go. And they pack it really well. So I like Hokey Cafe. They have two locations, one in Arcadia, one, um, I can't remember the other city. So that is what I like. Chinese food in general, I think, is number two in all deliverable foods. Number one being pizza, three being fried chicken. But it's really good. It's very convenient. And if you go pick it up, they have a very, again, I, I just think that most of the Asian restaurants in a COVID world, especially Chinese restaurants, 
they're just ahead of the game in the whole delivery angle of things. Is it even worth asking, one-ton noodle soup, what's your noodle of choice? Thin alkaline? Is there any other? Ah, some places offer the other versions. Like you, it's, I, think it's, I always think of it as a red herring in a test because they'll, they'll ask you what thickness of noodle and what kind of noodles you want, but there's only one choice. It's so good. Wonton noodle soup is so good. It's on par of that homey feeling of a great matzo ball soup. It is in the pantheon of the greatest dishes in the world. It really is. <laughs> Agree. Agree. So that's what we've been, that's what we ate yesterday. How about you? What's number two for you? Well, let's stick on that same uh, track because the other noodle soup that I think travels very well, and, and this is really, we should say also, like dictates most of our discussion here is what travels well. Pho, whether it's mm. the traditional or, or sort of like southern thin noodles or even like the thicker fresh rice noodles from like in, in San Francisco, we get it from Turtle Tower or Pho Tanhua. And uh, it travels extremely well because I think Pho, they generally separate the noodles from the, the soup. You got to do a little work when you get home, but it can all be done in one pot. You just throw all the soup in there and, and, and all the noodles and accoutrements. So for me, pho is one of the uh Well, it's funny you should foods. say that because if you look at Southeast Asian food, it is built for delivery, in my opinion, because the noodles are already pre-cooked. Yep, that's exactly it. So yes, I have pho. And not just pho, Vietnamese food. And this could all change. Obviously, it's just the stuff that uh, we've been ordering as my number three. But it's not just pho. It's mm. summer rolls slash spring rolls, oh, which yeah. I never know the name. And the LA area, which starts with obviously Orange County with Brodard. If you haven't been there, Fuck. so good. LA has such good Vietnamese food. It's stupid. And I'd argue that a lot of the pho out here can be hit or miss. Just my opinion. I will say, though, that the summer rolls out here are outstanding. Simply outstanding. The ones that I think you're talking about, because there, there are a variety of different, of sort of like the fresh rice paper wrapped around vermicelli with some kind of protein and herbs and cucumbers and or whatever vegetables inside. There's a lot of different versions. The Brodard one and the ones that I love, and I think the ones that you're talking about are, are I think they're called Nem Nuang, and it's more of like the pork, what is it, like a sausage. Yeah, and it's the like shrimp. And then they put the crunchy... The Little, crunchy like, fried like spring roll fried wrapper. Bricks. Ooh, fuck me! It's like a it's like a cigarillo of of cigarette just roll of like pastry pastry, and it's it, <laughs> what, what can you say if you haven't had it? Then you're missing out because it's one of the man. I fucking love Vietnamese food so much, and it's again that's the thing that we've been ordering for takeaway or oftentimes delivery. There's a place summer rolls. There's a Full on me. There's Golden Diner out here. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And I would also argue making that like Korean wollong sam, which is a Korean version of Vietnamese rolls, is great to make at home. It's super simple. And you can eat literally like 10 of them and not feel bad, which is good for fat boys like us because <laughs> it's like, wow, I had so much. I'm so full. And I basically ate lettuce and, and, and very little carbs. But um it delivers really well. Here's the problem, though. It does not hold really well, so you have gonna, to eat it. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, is there any, and I guess the answer is no, is there any way to eat this after putting it in the refrigerator? There's no way to save it. Listen, send in a, a, an answer to Ask Dave at Major Gnome Media. If you know how to resuscitate a day-old summer roll. 
I will pay for that information. I will. Yeah, yeah. that is that is because there's nothing worse than eating a cold one sitting in your refrigerator. It because is they still look good. They still oh. look like they're going to be delicious. And then it's just once that rice paper dries out, it's over. It's so it's so sad. It's, it's so sad. Thing. It really is sad because here's the saddest part. I'm still going to eat it. <laughs> It's so sad. Yeah. I've so tried sad. like I've tried turning it into like a imperial roll or so. I've tried frying it to no success. No, the lettuce wilts. It doesn't work. The lettuce wilts. The whole thing falls apart. It doesn't work. I just if anybody out there can resuscitate it, man, that is useful information. Four. Yep. I really want to put this number one, but I'm trying to be like not so Korean centric. Spoon by H. Yeah, I'm so jealous, man. Yunjin. I mean, we've talked about her in the past. Many times. I think she's a fucking genius. And now my mother-in-law gets to eat her food. And she's a really good cook. She doesn't understand how she makes her food. And if you know Korean food, it is mind-boggling the amount of work and detail she puts into the to-go boxes. Like, even like kimbap. If you know what kimbap is, they're like Korean seaweed rolls similar to maki. Or like a futomaki roll. She's now individually wrapping the ingredients in kim. No. What? And then assembling it all. It's so much work. So she'll have the cucumber like strand and sh- that'll be wrapped. She'll have the takwan pickled radish strand wrapped in seaweed. She'll have whatever meat wrapped in, the egg wrapped in. So when you put it all together, it actually prolongs its shelf life because it doesn't all get soggy and it's oh my so God. much work. Her cookies, she's got this... I, Wait, so I don't even, do people I don't understand? Like, like, that's like, okay, so what do people understand? They understand like a California roll. So that'd be like you getting your, uh, like, yeah. like each piece of cucumber is wrapped in its own piece of seaweed. Yeah, then yeah. each piece of crab meat is wrapped in its own piece of seaweed. Yeah. <laughs> the avocado is in its own piece of seaweed. And then those go inside of another piece of seaweed with rice around it. Like, that's insane. Her operation and how she's handling food and safety protocols is beyond. It's it's really great. I still have no idea how she makes as much food as she does in her kitchen. If people knew how difficult that operation was, or baking. I mean, she has a tiny soda oven. Again, the thing about Spoon by H is all her baked goods are extraordinary. She's got this muffin. It's like a chocolate walnut thing, and she doesn't use sugar. She I think she uses agave or something like that. I cannot eat anymore (laughs) because not only, you know, muffins good and then they're tiny. They're like cupcakes almost. The top of the muffin isn't the best part. That's crazy because that's usually the only good part. Yeah. It's so good. If she's got these muffins, you should order them spoon by age. It's easy to order, incredibly efficient for pickup in the Los Angeles area. And all her jigues, she's got the mandukuks. She's got braised oxtail, braised short rib. Her takalbi is so good. Like, listen, that's something we've been eating once a week Dude. because it's the food. It's Korean food that you will not find anywhere else. I really am telling you this. And every time we eat it, we're always like, she's a fucking genius. Yeah. She really is a genius. I, and I don't say that with any hyperbole. I think she is weirdly crazy talented. And I don't understand how she conjures flavors together. And they're amazing. And it delivers incredibly well. And it holds really well because you can microwave it two days after, no problem whatsoever. I actually, I've, I don't, I've never known you to consistently 
visit a restaurant this much or love something this much. It is kind of amazing. Spoon by H is, is a diamond. Let me ask you, let's, let me take a quick digression and ask you this. What percentage of the time when you order delivery or takeout are you doing some form of reheating or additional cooking when it gets to your house? Funny you should say that. I should have videotaped what I did yesterday. So now, we, I don't know what time you eat dinner. Guess what time I eat dinner now? I eat at 6 because of my, my family. Do you eat at earlier 4:30, than that? 4, 4.30. Oh my God, it's the blue plate special. 4.30. going on uh, My in-laws eat dinner and normally at 5 o'clock. And Hugo eats dinner at 4.30. <laughs> so we've all changed our schedule. Grace and I have changed our schedule. That's Grace not even dinner, dinner, man. Dinner That's a late lunch, bro. That's 8 not or dinner. 9 o'clock. Literally 8 or 9 o'clock in New York now in a COVID world. Um, we eat dinner at 4.30, and I don't know what the fuck is going on. It is so confusing to me. I don't understand it at all. Um, it's true. Every day, it's 4.30. So I got in. Yesterday was a little bit late, 4.45, and I ordered from uh, Hokey Cafe. We got like six dishes, right? And some things are going to carry over really well, right? The wonton noodle soup. Is still going to be hot, but we had tofu. We also had a. Uh, oh, this was interesting. I did. I got a fried. Uh, it was basically like a, what you might get in seafood, where it's coated in batter and then dusted in that delicious chili garlic fried mm-hmm. goodness. I figured something out. I put that in the toaster oven. Oh shit! Yeah. And oh it shit! Came out crispy. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. And because you can't put it in an air fryer because all that shit's going to fly around because all the, the coating <laughs> of it. So I put it out on like a really low setting. And while that was getting crunchy again, I then just a microwave line of reheating stuff. So you initially have to reheat the liquidy stuff first because it's going to retain the heat. So the wonton men is now separate. So I put the noodles and the dumplings and I'm not reheating that because that's warm. And I'm just now getting the broth to a ripping boil. So what I do then is in my donabe, I put it all together. And then I keep it on a low flame after the thing's been microwaved. Because I need, the microwave now is like airport control. I need, <laughs> I need to organize this in a dish way. Dishes coming in, dishes going yeah. out. <laughs> so now I, I immediately take out the, the, the fried fish. It's in the toaster oven in a plate. So like the plate's going to be hot, but fine. I now have my donabe on low heat that's going to keep it nice and ripping hot. I intentionally ordered barbecue because you, you want that lukewarm to room temp. Yep. So that's easy. I, I put transfer all that to the plate. I now have my, of course, I ordered soy sauce chow mein. Mm-hmm. So now, what else did I order? I had mapu tofu. And you know, what I love when you order from Cantonese restaurant is the bad mapu tofu. Yeah. The brown sauce mapu tofu. They don't understand. Like, no, no, no. They actually try to make mapu tofu. Oh, I actually enjoy that poor representation of Sichuan food from a Cantonese perspective. Because it tastes like it's based on a true story. <laughs> it's the Lifetime movie version of Mapo yeah, Tofu. Uh-huh. It's Cantonese braised tofu, which is chili. And it yeah. tastes great. It's not Mapo Tofu at all. There's no mala, no nothing. But I think it's... I always... That's what I know I'm eating from a really good Cantonese spot when they obviously always have like a mapu tofu dish and it's terrible, you know, <laughs> compared to Sichuan, like a really good mapu tofu, it's terrible. But just if it's a, you don't imagine it as a mapu tofu dish, but just a spicy tofu dish, it's great. 
<laughs> and that I was microwaving. So basically, I could go on. And I literally was doing all these calculations in my head because I want the food to be maximum hot. Yeah. And the microwave is key because you got to always do the liquids ahead of time and you finish with the drier stuff last. I'm with you. I need hot food to be hot. Let me ask you one more follow-up though. Why do we not reheat everything in the microwave at the same time, stop it, pull things out as they're ready? You can't. You can't do it? Like there's a maximum capacity? Yeah, there's maximum capacity. And if you understand the science of microwaves. Which I don't. <laughs> the more density you have, right, volume, in, the microwaves need to penetrate the food. So right. the more shit you have in it, it actually slow down the process altogether. The whole thing overall will just sit in the microwave longer. That's what I figured. But we just need a, we need like an oven-sized microwave. Just an ultra-high-power microwave. So yeah, I, I just... I love the microwave and it's been key. And uh, I now will order fried fish from mm. this restaurant because the toaster oven, if you get it while it's hot and it's sort of, again, like I don't think you could do this with the, the potato, fried potatoes from Elena's, but it really worked well. I was so surprised and it felt like I twisted up in an air fryer. Do you think most people do some form of, I, I, I try to pay attention anecdotally to my friends as they order takeout, and nobody else seems to do any reheating. No, you know why? And again, this this is not going to come off as racist. <laughs> I'm going to preface this. It is going to come off as racist, but it's not, is what you're saying. It's not. Oh, okay. So the, I'm, I'm, I have my alibi. <laughs> All right? <laughs> All right, let's hear it. I think when most people, when I say most people, I think Asian people that order this know what I'm talking about. I have had Chinese food at my friends' places, and I just don't understand this. <laughs> it bothers me. <laughs> Clearly. The reason they don't microwave it is because everyone orders their own fucking Chinese dish. Mm. It's not yeah. about sharing. It's like, that's mine. Yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. Come on, dude. That's not racist. I'm just calling it as it is. That makes, yeah. No, I'm with you. So some people might microwave and some people won't. Because yeah. it's like, I'm not sharing. You have to ask permission. No. Instead of just being like, I'm getting it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's a big difference. It's not race. It is cultural divide there, and I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. I don't understand the not family style thing ever, but, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm greedy. Is that racist, what I just said? No, it's basically... <laughs> it, you know what? It's, it's observational comedy. You can't fucking order Chinese food and <laughs> say, this is mine and that's yours. Yeah. You just cannot. It yeah. defeats the purpose of what Chinese food actually is. It's yeah. like eating a goddamn hamburger with a fork and knife or chopsticks. Yeah. You ever have one of those situations, though, where you're ordering with friends or, or roommates or something and, and, they, and somebody insists on somebody's fucking up the order and then you say, like, fine, you get your own thing and I'm ordering <laughs> for the rest of us. I've usually, with, usually with my wife. <laughs> Uh, all right. Speaking give us, of, give us, so no, speaking of that, this is this is the master move, and I know that I'm not the only person because I think Brooks does this at Purity Burger in New York, and this is, I think, a real chef pro move on your day off, especially if you have one day off. You order a degustation effectively from multiple <laughs> restaurants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. You've done that, right? It's, I've it's ordered from two. I've never done more than two. I've never done more oh, than two. Come on, man. <laughs> give me a give me a, a sample degustation. Delivery degustation. Like, honestly, in New York, you could do this. Sometimes you might want to start off with not a hot and sour soup. You might want a matzo ball soup. 
right? Uh-huh. And then you might want like mozzarella sticks from the, your local <laughs> pizza shop, all right? You don't want pizza, right, or whatever. And then you might want like, uh, I just want snow pea shoots from my Shanghainese <laughs> restaurant. And right. then be like, you know what? Throw in some dumplings too. And then you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, wait, now I've ordered three. I was like, you know what I really want? I just want a, I want a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> So yeah. you've ordered from three, and then four, you're like, might just get some frozen yogurt for dessert. <laughs> and you have to order it. The key is not ordering it like anyone can order it. It's right. the time it right. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. game. How do you time it right where it all comes? <laughs> I love how you say chefs on their quote-unquote day off here, what they do to relax is to expedite a, me- a meal for themselves at home. <laughs> just like order 100. fire. One hundred percent. This is how you relax: is playing expediter. That's not at it's home. fun, but it's. It, have you not done that? I've only done two, to, and I've tried to time it, and it worked. But I felt I thought more than two was flying too close to the sun. I thought I was going to get too ambitious. I think my record is like five. Oh my god! <laughs> it's. I'm impressive, just like bro. you know, if you just want to eat till you're unhappy kind of day, that that's what you do. <laughs> If you want to, if it's an eat until you're unhappy kind of day, yeah, I've had a, I've had a couple of those here in uh, in quarantine, but oh my god! Um, all right, give us. I think that's, we got two more, right, or one more? What do you well, got? We got one more. Okay, and I got a bonus. All right, all right. So another one that I've been getting, and this is another issue in LA. If you say you got a favorite taco spot or whatever, people are like, ah, uh, you don't know shit. And then after Ugly Delicious, people are like, you hate tacos. I was like, come on! <laughs> I did that as like a. Someone had to take the anti position. <laughs> Everyone can't be like, tacos are the best. Of course yeah. they're the fucking best. <laughs> God. If one more person said, but you hate tacos. Like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but what do you got? So, I like convenience. And one of the things I pick up, because there's guisados nearby. And I haven't seen too many taco trucks. And I'm not the taco expert, especially on the east side. But there's a King Taco close by. And King Taco has like three or four locations. And I don't know if people are like, oh, that's like a chain or whatever. Or so it's garbage or whatever. No, I'm going to tell you, I think it's pretty good. The thing that they think they make the best are two things. They make a bean burrito. Mm-hmm. That I, I would put up there with any bean burrito. It's so good. And that's usually dinner or lunch is bean burrito. Because Hugo also likes just rice and beans. And they have pretty good tamales. They're not the best, but like pretty good is better than anything you'll get, I think, in most places here in LA. But the bean burrito, that's it. Cheese and beans. Yeah. Woo. I will say, even though you just you, you just uh you just described what happens when you when you take this position, I will take this position for you now and say that at least delivery and takeout wise, burrito's great. Tacos, no. tacos, not so much. No. Not so much for the tacos takeout. It's hard, which is why the burrito is the vehicle of choice. Tamales, obviously, as well. Tamales, it is, it is a sandbagging champion. Yeah. Tamales is, is, a, is a great traveling food. You used to serve tamales at Noodle Bar. Yeah, I love tamales. I love tamales so much. We stuffed it with uh, kimchi and pork. Fuck, I, I remember the jalapeno oh, and cheese. God. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, it's like, what's weird about that? I'm like, 
Literally nothing is weird about nothing it. Everything right. about that is delicious. Holy shit! I just had like a fucking visceral. And we didn't. Flashback. We weren't making our own nixtamal masa. We were just buying the the, the maseka the, stuff. Maseka bullshit, but it was good enough. And what's your fifth one, by the way? My is a. Uh, I just remembered this. I had takeout from Zuni one of the days I was in San Francisco, and uh, they're only doing the whole chicken, the whole roast chicken, which is a very very famous. Judy Probably Rogers. their most famous, served on a panzanella salad. And if you don't know a panzanella salad, panzanella salad is like Italian cob salad. Yeah. It's not well, a salad. It's, 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 it's a bread br- salad. It's bread. it's bread salad with a bunch of, this one has like a bunch of arugula. Man. Anytime like, I order a salad, it's, <laughs> if I see panzanella, I'm like, yeah, I'm ordering that. You know why? It's, it's just fried bread soaking <laughs> with fat. Like that's all it is. So, so good. But I was very pleasantly surprised that like, because I generally think that actually chicken reheats really poorly. But sticking this in the in the toaster oven, it was very reminiscent of the actual meal at Zuni. Here's why it was actually great, and I want to hear. I want to talk to you about this part. I also got like a Zuni margarita. <laughs> you know, you can order the cocktails and bring them home. And this has been, I think, and maybe this is an unnuanced opinion, but I think it has been so helpful for restaurants to be able to sell cocktails to go. Like, and it's been so great for the consumer. Like, I can't actually imagine this going away. And I know a lot of friends are, are sort of lamenting if this ever goes away. It's a great thing. I think a lot of rules need to change in terms of how we are allowed to sell food, particularly beverage. And if it doesn't happen, it shows you the ineptitude of our local government, of our state legislatures. It just shows you that they don't fucking give a shit about our industry. It's just full stop. If they won't allow this very basic thing that doesn't differ from how you can normally buy alcohol anyway, so long as you know they've got to integrate checks, right? We've talked about this. You've got to figure out some kind of age check. But man, getting a, a proper drink professional to mix me a cocktail and have it at my home—that has been a lot of cocktails. Sin. Another sandbagging genius. <sighs> Holy move. shit! Shout out to Dave move. Arnold. Dave Arnold, I think, to me is the. We don't have a lot of the bottle cocktail movement. I think without Dave, I think that's right. I wanted Um, to add one more because I couldn't do this on my own because of the my like my own restaurant. But if I wasn't, I'd say Major Domo because Major Domo in Los Angeles, and I I know the teams of Momofuku in New York City, obviously across the board, have really done a remarkable job with takeaway delivery. But since uh, I've been ordering from Major Domo (laughs) full price, uh, it's great. I mean, the fried chicken delivers really well. But the thing that I really love the most is the salmon donabe. Ooh, um, you guys are delivering that. God it damn. delivers really well. It really does. Can and I say that looks so amazing? I, I, I'll try to. I'll try also to resist shilling too hard. That sounds amazing. I have a friend who ordered the sh- the whole plate short rib. That's killing me that I can't get that for Major Domo. I also saw. Were you guys doing like a a like chickpea hozone? Like, no, we we're selling that too. That that. That's been selling very well. That looks awesome. The, you the, can do that the, at home. The, the the chickpea pasta dish of Major Domo. Um, oh, fuck, that looks good, dude. Yeah, yeah. I just ordered. Uh, I just ordered. Uh, I re up my. Um, this is impossible not to sound like an ad. Chili but I truly did. I truly did re order full price, three chili crunches and a bag of savory salt last night. There you so, go, man. And you, let me tell you what. Going back to Elena's Greek Armenian. You know what's really good with kebabs and the kebab rice that's been saturated <laughs> with all the meat drippings? Chili crunch. Chili crunch. Holy yeah. fuck. It's Where are so you good. on... Last question, though. Where are you on... I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of just housing my, my 
Greek food or, or, or Lebanese food and sumac or mini kebab. Like, I love sumac as a spice. Do you do that? Sumac's awesome. It's like fucking a lemon juice without lemons. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing spice. And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> then you're going to see Frito-Lay's uh, or Lay's potato chip sumac flavor soon. <laughs> I, oh, fuck. It's coming, isn't it? Spicy sumac. Um, well, football starting, and we didn't get to our second format, but we can save that for we, another we day. Will, we will save that for another day. We're going to talk about the book, the 33 rules, and I've been getting a lot of inbounds, uh, and I want to talk about it from mental health, which is why yesterday's podcast that I recorded solo was so depressing that it could not be aired ever because <laughs> it went from the end of the world environmentally to RBG passing to Sisyphus. Oh my and oh my God, I can only imagine. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> the absurd existence. And I finished recording. It was like 90 minutes long. And um, Just press delete. I think my, uh, my, my recording equipment broke out of sadness. <laughs> Your handy recorder just started crying and got the yeah. circuitry. Well, we're going to yeah. get into that, I think, this week. So stay tuned for that podcast. But I appreciate it. This was a uh, pretty, pretty like uh, simple podcast. I think so. It's I think simple. We need, let's find another guest. And we could do this on the regular. <laughs> Done. Let's do it. All right. Stay tuned for another podcast this week. Give us five stars, however you rate this podcast iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Thank you so much, guys. Vote, stay safe, and um, support your restaurants that you need in your life. <laughs>